podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Drinking with Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. With me, I have a special guest host, the marvelous Mark Muncie. Yay! It's been a long time coming. I'm enjoying this. Yes, I've talked him into being a co-host on other things, which makes me very happy. Very, very happy. And with us tonight, Mark, do you want to introduce our amazing guest? The wonderful, amazingly talented, what is it, cosplayer, haunter, author, and just character extraordinaire, the wonderful Jackie Sonnenberg. Hello, everybody. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. I need to get Mark to do more intros. My intros aren't that cool normally. Okay, I'm a little jealous. Never mind. We're I, just gonna I appreciate have on the, show. the enthusiasm. I appreciate the enthusiasm, Mark, really. Uh, no, well, hey, you know, I have I have such a crush on your writing that I am Aww. just good with this. So this is an honor. So Solid, dude. Oh, yay. Okay. Let's talk about what we're drinking so if people want to drink along. Um, I am drinking uh, red wine tonight. I, I literally just looked at my glass to see what color it was. We're already having a good time. Okay, so it's called 19 Crimes, and this one's called The Uprising, and it's apparently aged for 30 whole days in a rum barrel. Mm. I guess that's a big ad thing. So 30 whole days, huh? 30 whole days. 30 days. Um, it, it tastes like heaven in a glass right now. Cool. <laughs> You're asking. Mark, go ahead. Share with us what oh, I'm, I'm, libations I'm you the hard have. stuff today. I have, I'm having an Arnold Palmer with uh, unsweet tea and fresh lemonade. And then I'm washing that down with Publix purified water. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, that goes with all my epilepsy meds. So I'm already having a good time all the time. <laughs> And Jackie, what are you drinking? What are you drinking, my darling? I also have a glass of red wine. Now, this is a Chilean Carmenere, and it's made with raspberries, blackberries, coffees, and some spices. I don't know. It just, it's amazing. So I had some pasta for dinner. So you always have to have pasta with wine. It's a rule. Sorry. Oh, really? Because I just had steak with wine. Mm. It was just steak. It was pretty That's also a good thing. It was a it was amazing. I just ate a steak and then started drinking wine. That's just one of the life goals I have. Now I just need pajamas. Just kidding. I'm wearing pajama bottoms. Nobody can see that. Okay, so let's get started. So you, Jackie, I, I'm told you're a writer. Like I heard that from somewhere. That's like a rumor going around. <laughs> well, gee, I hope I'm on the right podcast. I mean, yes. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit for our audience about what do you write. Okay, so I write horror mainly. I write young adult horror, so little little things that have to do with the dark side of things. Now, right now, I have a growing collection. I'm taking all the nursery rhymes, and I'm sort of retelling them as horror stories, or they are inspired by the classic nursery rhymes. So I, right now, I've got three books in that collection, and I've got one that's based on um, my, the, the, soul's, the Lord's Prayer, and it's called My Soul to Keep. So that's a paranormal book about a brainwashing death cult. You know how that goes. And then I've got another one that's a, um, a pre-apocalyptic uh, Antichrist novel. It's uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb Meets the Omen. That one is uh, The Lamb Was Sure to Go. And my newest one that just came out in February is The Little Dog Laughed. And that one is based off of Hey Diddle Diddle. And it's a different kind of vampire story, I like to call it. So it's not Twilight. It's, it's not Twilight. 
This is amazing. When did you start writing? I would say when I was literate. I know that's a very strange answer to give, very definite, but I, I would say like when I first started to learn how to read and write, that's when I figured out how much I love stories so much that I wanted to create my own. And then this was born. And when did you publish it first? That's also a little bit of a that's also a little bit of a tricky question. I mean, I have a background in journalism. And I actually had my own column in the uh, newspaper while I was still in high school. So I was published in my teens. I did some short stories online, too. But I didn't start getting into book publishing until I was, like, in my, I would say, early 20s. Very, very cool. That is, how many books do you have published then, total? All right. Well, I've got um, three nonfiction from my journalism days. And I've got the three novels in the collection, uh, plus another novel that was just a standalone. And I'm in... Five anthologies, so I guess you could technically say eleven. Can I can I count? <laughs> I don't know. You're just asking yeah. somebody who absolutely doesn't math ever. I so. can't math, but I mean, it's it's kind of a tricky question because you know you have your anthologies and then you have your collections, so you kind of have to think about them a little bit and go, okay, well, this technically counts, even though it's not part of the same thing. Because I'd like to talk about my fiction a little bit more than I talk about you know any other any other pieces of work I've done. That makes sense. <laughs> Mark, did you have a question? You look like you had a question. I, I had a question. What my question was is, you know, when you when you were for the anthologies, mm -hmm. uh, were these were these were these some of your horror uh, stories? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they, the the publisher uh, started the this anthology collection. They did one on romance, and then they did a horror one. And the horror collection is called Thirteen. Then they did uh, different other editions after that. Like they did Thirteen. Then they did Thirteen Deja Vu and. 13 Night Terror. So they're all part of the collection. They just have subtitles that go after them to indicate that it's the next one in the series. Awesome. Very cool. Look that one up. I missed that one. So. Well, yes, I, I, I just want to point out on Amazon, you have a book called All That Glitters. Yeah. And the paperback version is $987.25. What? Must That's be what out it of says. So I was just this... Like do laundry? Like what? What does this book do? This hey, it wasn't me. I don't know what happened, but that was not me. There that must be a glitch, must be a glitch in the system or something. I didn't do it. I swear. Yeah. It Listen, goes, I, I don't have that big of an ego. I swear. <laughs> I swear. The hell. I, I, my American luchador topped out at like twelve hundred dollars at one point when it went out of print, and I don't know why. I'm like, I think like eight people in the world read that thing, so I don't know why. <laughs> Well, all eight of them and, thought uh, it was definitely worth something. I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's um, an Amazon, uh, you know, map. Cheers, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're drinking as much as we are. So. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about horror because conveniently I enlisted the help of another horror writer to do this podcast with me because I one of the genres I write is horror. I love horror. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have, you know, not every story has a happy ending is sort of my tagline because none of my stories have happy endings. Um, what drew you to horror? Okay, so I'm a haunted house actor. So that kind of just happened on its own. So I was always creating my own characters, my own costumes when I was, you know, acting in a set. So it became very easy to come up with books and stories and characters that go with that, too. So it was my mindset of, of creating in one environment versus creating in another environment. No, that makes sense. But as a so you um, as a journalist, obviously, you did a lot of writing. Were, were 
Did you ever try to go down another, besides your nonfiction, did you ever go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write sweet romance. That's what I'm going to do. No? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Like, I always stuck to either fantasy, sci-fi, or horror. So this this horror collection I have, I'm growing right now, and I'm still brainstorming other ideas for other fantasy and science fiction books and other collections. So it's like an ongoing thing, you know, an ongoing creative process. When you first published, were you um, traditional or self, or where where are you where are you at in that little spectrum? Um, so with the journalism, it was traditional. Um, all that glitters, the lovely nine hundred dollar, you know, first edition. My first yes, book. Yes, nine hundred dollar first edition book. Oh, Jesus Christ! I have to I have to see this now because you need I, to look I'm it up confused. on Amazon. I'm looking at it right I'm now. Confused. Apparently, I can get two used ones. For fifty four seventy seven, but one brand new one for nine hundred eighty seven dollars. Well, oh, damn! Yes. I'm flattered. Okay, you can well, retire. Got a box that, of those. <laughs> <laughs> so that one was with a smaller press, a smaller publisher. So I guess you could say it was traditional. Uh, the the three nonfiction topics were traditional, and everything up to this point has been traditional, except for a little dog laughed, my newest one. I decided it was time to graduate. I wanted to take it and see how it would do on its own because I feel like I'm ready to move up to the next level of my career and I want to see it's going to happen. So it took it solo. The time came, you know? Oh, I think it's awesome. No, as, as an, as an author that is self-published, but actually started a publishing company because of this very reason, because mm -hmm. traditional publishing to me, unless you're certain elite members of it is garbage. Not your press, Mark. I'm not badgering, but you I'm, have a very unique I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Mama, this Arcadia Publishing, we love you. No. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it, it, we're in the golden age of that. That's the whole point of this is, you know, the big the big four. I, it used to be the big five. Now it's the big four. Why? Yeah, who Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Huh? Who, yep. got, who got voted off the island? What uh, happened? One, got, one got merged with another one. One got ate by the bigger shark. So uh, I think we're losing uh, Penguin uh, is going but into didn't, another didn't Random House buy Penguin? Yeah. Random House bought Penguin. Well, I, I now they're so. being okay. merged by another one. So, okay. I thought so. And then, uh, so yeah, mine's still independent, you know, Arcadia, but uh, for how long, who knows? But uh, but that's just it. It's, you know, you're, you're doing it. You know, most, a lot of publishers, you know, authors like to go the other way. You're doing it. You know, where you can take more control over your own product. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it doesn't hurt to do it doesn't hurt to do either, honestly. Like I always tell people it's perfectly okay to start off by self-publishing because you know, we don't know anything. We don't we don't know our ISBNs from our asses when we start out. I mean, we're we're there to learn. It's it's a whole learning experience. When you self-publish, you're gonna learn everything. You're gonna learn formatting, uh, you're gonna learn what font to use, you're gonna learn trim size and all that crap. And it's honestly a very important tool to know that way you can help other people and that way you know the right questions to ask when and if the opportunity should arise. Totally. And also it marketing. Marketing, marketing, mm. marketing, marketing, mm. marketing, mm. Hold on. Hold on. Say, yeah. Yeah, yeah we need drink. to drink to yeah. that. Marketing, <laughs> drinking to marketing. Like 19 Crimes Wine might sponsor this right? so, with their app that lets your uh, uh, image appear on your bottle as a. Oh, as no, a, I, I had that app because I'm that girl. I'm that girl that when I found out it had an app, yeah. I got it, got it. So it would tell me all the crimes they were committed of, committing for words. Cool. So um, you self published. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about your process, your writing process. Are you okay. a, 
a pantser? Are you a plotter? Are you a plancer? I love that. Uh, Definitely a a plancer. Like what I really like to do is I like to have like a simple outline of everything. So I call it the skeleton. So get the skeleton down first with your, 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 your beginning, your middle, your end, you know exactly what's going to happen in the outcome, so to speak. And then later you kind of go in and you fill in all the guts and the meat and the blood and the bones and everything and, and merge it all together to form one solid body. Now it's a, very common idea in writing that the book writes itself. And so I think that's where pantsing comes from. Sometimes ideas just come to us and we really don't have an explanation for them. We just, we're just along for the ride, you know, we'll be writing something and then it'll just go in a different direction than we anticipated. And sometimes it changes the outcome of things, but it's always good to see where it's going to end up and how it's going to change your story. Even though you have the main idea down, little things along the way can make a really big difference. Oh, totally. You know, it's interesting you say that as I was talking to, I talked to Jeff Strand and one of the things he is, he considers himself, we jokingly call him a method writer now because he is very technical about how he writes stuff down and not like ridiculous outline. He just knows his stuff. And I asked him like, does your characters take you anywhere? And he's like, no, (laughs) but I meet so many people that say their characters or parts of the story goes in a different direction than they necessarily mm-hmm. thought it would. And it's interesting from an artistic standpoint to talk to all, you know, all these different methods to writing. So I love Plancer. I'm very much a Plancer. That's, mm-hmm. I can't do an outline. I know people who do like 30,000 word outlines. I'm like, that is almost a book. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You've pretty much written the book. Just throw a couple more words in there. Um, yeah. So how long does it take you? How long did it take you to write your last novel? Oh, man. I mean, I don't really know because you know how life gets lifey and gets in the way? You don't really I have no you idea really what have that's like a life. set time. So, like, you know what I'm talking about, though, where you're like, you'll, you'll get to it when you get to it, you know, especially if you're not working on a deadline, which is a beautiful thing. Deadlines can be your best friend or your worst enemy. With a deadline, you absolutely have to get that stuff done. With not, without a deadline, you're free to just, you know, schmooze around with it however you like and allow your brain to come up with more ideas. But in the long run, that means that it's not going to come out until later, which we're all OK with. So for me personally, I try to write every day, but I know how important it is to take some time off to think about it. And I'm sure you both know and appreciate this. Ideas just come to you when you don't want them to be like you could sit in front of your computer and just like stare at a blank Microsoft Word page or or wherever you last ended up in your minor script and you're just looking at it going, okay, now what? And you don't know. Um, and then the next day, you know, you'll be at work and someone will say something and then it'll just trigger something. And you're going, oh my God, that's it. And then you're just kind of watching the clock, <laughs> waiting to go <laughs> and write it down. But it's like, I don't want to forget this idea. So I'm just going to keep playing it in my head. Sometimes ideas come when you don't want them to. And it's comical, really. It really is. I get a lot of ideas from watching people, mm-hmm. just people watching. I can go sit and watch people in a mall, for instance. It's horrific what ends up happening to them in my brain. It's a really good thing I'm a writer and not a serial killer. Just, I just need to put this on record just in case I ever get arrested. I would like to refer <laughs> back to this podcast that I promise I'm just a writer and not a serial killer. Yeah, delete my Google history, right? Yeah. Oh, I am screwed. Oh, it's... Yeah, I think we're all screwed. If we're writers, we're completely screwed if somebody gets a hold of our Google. So your your writing process, you're a planter. Um, How many words can you write if you sit down and you're really going, like you're super? I try to do a thousand a day. 
think that's a, a, a nice little uh, milestone to hit. Uh, sometimes if I'm really going at it, I'll get like 5,000. But I mean, it really depends on the ideas that I have and what direction I know the story is going to go in. Because if I know, I'll, I'll get it out. If I don't know, then, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mess around with it and, and come back to it later. What my wife always tells me is like, you know, my writing process is five hours of writing is actually four hours of just figuring it out. And then one hour of actually typing like mad. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's how it works. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know I've, I have a question for Jackie. What's when up? Please interject you, whenever. Yep. When did you come up with the idea for your brilliant marketing strategy of dressing as your characters? Well, I'm actually a cosplayer in general so of course i started in the convention scene and i would cosplay you know different fandoms so i did a lot of nintendo i did a lot of video games and movies so that kind of just happened first and it was while i was doing haunted hot stuff and while i was doing story stuff that i decided that this would be an excellent merger so i took it and went with it and the rest is history and it's something i'm still growing and i'm still looking to expand i love i cosplay i all the time. Excellent. Many, Excellent. many, many, many different characters. I actually have a, I had a cosplay schedule for this year that has been sidelined, but I have all the costumes. Yeah. So I, I think at one point when finally like a, an actual convention is going that's safe, I'm going to just change like 10 times during the day of the costumes I have saved up for it. I'm super excited about it because oh, I, I know actually, how that goes. Yeah, I haven't cosplayed my characters yet, though. That's actually kind of a fun idea to think about. It's well, pretty epic what Jackie does, and 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 not only the cosplay. I mean, you uh, for uh, the lamb was sure to go. You have an iconic prop that goes mm-hmm. everywhere with you. Yep, uh, yep, I do. I did Mary and the Lamb for the lamb was sure to go, and I actually have a prop of of the lamb it's it's a giant taxidermy foam form that we i covered in fur and with a friend of mine in the honda industry helped me build like a wooden platform with wheels and i literally roll this sucker with me everywhere and we roll around conventions i take him with me in the bathroom because everywhere mary went the lamb was sure to go right so that's got to happen a little bit difficult at first though i had to you know do some maintenance in there um he needed some more wheels and he's a little difficult to roll on carpet. Um, right now, he needs some serious WD-40 before I could bring him out anywhere again. Uh. But other than that, yeah, it was challenging. And he's in pieces uh, so that he could be taken apart and put together again for when I go places. Because I have a little car, so I can't fit this giant thing in my back seat. I would have to, like, roll the window down and have the head sticking out. And that's a disaster waiting to happen. So we need, we need it to be transferable. That sounds like pure comic genius right there. It is. Pure it comic is. genius. When, when, I don't want any I, any accidents. You know, I don't want his head to roll off and on the highway somewhere and I have to, God forbid, go get it or something. And <laughs> I don't want to imagine that happening. Hey, Jackie, well, I where are I had you? I'm busy getting the lamb's head. Stop calling me. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought ahead. I thought this through. He's a little just, bit difficult to travel with, but I he rolls along. He so, rolls along. You cosplay. Has anybody dressed as any of your characters besides you? No, actually. Okay, challenge gauntlet thrown out there for anyone who's listening. <laughs> you need to show up with one of Jackie's dressed as one of her characters. I love I mean, this that idea. Would be I wouldn't be against that at all. I'd I'd be very flattered. I think that'd be amazing. I just because I, I hand out flyers. Um, when I'm approached by people that want to talk or when they want to take pictures, and it just basically describes uh, who this is. 
uh, where they're from and where they can get information on it. So like social media, things like that. And of course the Amazon link. Totally shameless self-promotion. I'm literally all about shameless self-promotion all the time. Um, so what is your favorite characters besides obviously the ones from your book to cosplay? We can go down a whole cosplay to a track now. That's what we're doing. Here. I mean, besides book characters? No, any characters. I would love to know what your favorite characters are to play. Oh, man. Um, big, big time favorite mine is Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah. The whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. The leather thing, the purple wig. I, I, see, I go, I go hardcore. I go like accurate description because I want to look absolutely perfect. And actually, because I don't know, you can't tell, but I'm, I look very young for my age and I'm very small. So I often get mistaken to be much younger than what I am. So when I did Hit Girl uh, at this convention I was at in Chicago, uh, security followed me around because they actually thought I was an unattended minor. And I very much was not. I was in my late 20s at the time. And I was in character completely. I did, you know, the young girl voice. I did her lines. I did all that stuff. And they were really confused when I went to the bar. Very confused. It was awesome. I can only imagine. Yeah, that was awesome. I've done, I'm six feet tall. So I do a lot of, I have fun with the male characters. Like I have an amazing Lestat that is pretty accurate with the velvet outfit. And I have Gaston. Like, yeah, no, I have a lot of fun with those, those kind of characters. And I have um, now the uh, uh, darkness from legend. That's one me and my friend are doing next. Mainly because a a lot of the bad guys have better outfits than the girls. I find a lot. Although color schemes. Yeah, totally. I have a great Lucy costume from um, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula though. So that's, and not the not the wedding dress one because everybody fucking does the wedding dress one. The yeah. red one, the red dress. No, the um, peach one, the peach one oh, from nice. Lucy. Oh, wears, it's very pretty. She's oh, very cool. Okay. Pretty. I have a friend that has decided to dress up as the vampire one with the blood and stuff, and so I did one pulsing from that one year, and I had uh, there were uh, Disney stores sold slippers of the dwarf heads. So I was carrying them out, and I was basically uh, Von Helsing had killed the seven dwarves, and I just came, you know, in that scene where he's holding out with the free bride's head, going, and I had grumpy, sleepy, and dopey, you know. <laughs> oh, sweet. I, I, oh, my God, cosplaying, I love it. That's amazing. Okay, so who inspired you? Who, who have been your um, literary inspirations, my friend? Man, I mean... You got to go with, you know, the easy answers like Stephen King and, and, and J.K. Rowling. I mean, for for me, for them, it's all about world building, especially when it came to the Harry Potter series. Now, when it comes to Stephen King, my favorite thing about his work, I mean, we all know he's he's notorious for stretching it out mm. quite a bit. I should know I own a copy of it. I'm still reading it. But what Stephen King does is that he's able to create standalones. And in many cases, they are connected. So if you read Dolores Claiborne and if you read Gerald's Game, there's like a little area in there where the two characters have some sort of connection with one another. And since he bases a lot of his stories in the same location in Maine, um, a lot of cases the stories are connected or he makes references to them. I think that is pretty cool. It's cool because they're still connected, even though they're they're different. I really like that. It's it makes it universal. It makes his work universal. Has your work crossed any with any other people? This is something interesting. The reason I'm asking is because um, the other genre I write under a different name is erotica. 
And I actually have a friend that writes erotica and she wrote one of my characters into her book. And then I ended up doing a chapter that was based off of that chapter, like in a different, it was like, I wrote the chapter of what her character is referencing after she referenced it in a published book, but I wrote the character in. So literally if you jump books, you can see the scene that her character is talking about. Or if you read my thing, you can, anyway, it's, have you done that yet? Not yet, no, but like I was saying about, you know, Stephen King making those references and, and tiny little tie-ins, that's something I've always thought of, but I have to make sure that they're within, like, the same universe, and I have to make sure it would work. So I'm not quite there yet, but it's it's in the back of my head. I love that. I love all of that. I think you should put something in from one of Mark's books. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Just throw a real-life thing in there, because it's terrifying. We're going to get Mark to write some fiction stuff soon, is what I've decided. Uh-huh. I, I, I write in that genre that you write in under another name, too, but uh, we don't talk about that. So. Why don't we talk about it, Mark? Because I, I have to be a female author to sell Why? it. So it doesn't Why, sell Mark? well. And I, with the, the stuff, when I wrote it under the male pseudonym, it didn't sell at all. When my uh, publisher suggested we just change it to a female pseudonym, then it started selling like crazy. It was the same book. So I don't know what it is, and that's why I've been writing under that uh, in That's the erotica okay. genre. I have two authors under my publishing name that are both male authors that write yep. under female names and they write erotica and is some of the funniest crap it's, ever. It's, I, it's amazingly I, sexual, but oh very God. humorous. Like I feel like, yeah. and Oh my God, I'm going to get killed. But I feel like a <laughs> lot of times guys can nail some of the really cheesy, witty humor not yep. that females can't. Nobody get fucking offended and okay. email the podcast. But <laughs> I feel like guys have – it's interesting because switching that around, I have a couple of um, gay male-on-male erotica writers, right? And it's interesting when you look up that genre, it's mainly straight white females that write male-on-male erotica. Yep. It's like um, – <laughs> I like, would be surprised if they are. Because it's just, it's amazing me, it amazes me in the erotica field how many people write under pseudonyms and uh, because they're all afraid it's going to get traced back to them and all that. I was told by my other publisher that I had to do that if I wanted to keep writing in that field. So No, you totally, you do, unfortunately. And it's interesting you bring that up because you've decided to self-publish, but that brings up the whole topic of like, part of the reason I started the publishing company was because I'm tired of, if you don't fit in this box, you don't get published. Like you have to self-publish. And then most people who self-publish, I love them all. You can do a lot of research and stuff, but you have to almost stop being 100% an author and be 50% an author and 50% a marketeer. Like you have to be a business person because you suddenly become your business, right? And there's all these really cool things that are out there that people write that don't fit in the like boxes that the publishing world has laid out. Did why did you decide to transition? Like, what was the big thing that you went screw this? I don't want a publisher anymore. I want to transition to self-publishing. I think it just it was just fate. I think it was just meant to be. I think at some point where you want growth and you expect to get growth and you don't get it, it's time to you know move on. It's time to get a different thought about it. It's not an easy decision to make, but it's something that I think everyone at one point thinks about. Do you, when you say growth, do you mean sales or, um, what it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, do some splaining. What is that? Yes. Yes. Sales and just, and just 
growth in general and just, you know, mass exposure, like, like more exposure, that type of thing, more marketing, more publicity, more branding, especially when you have a specific brand like I do. Like for me, it's a lot easy to self-publish this particular collection because I have the costumes that go along with it. So for me, it's like, okay, I want this book to come out the same time I'm finished with the costume, or I want to finish the costume in time and then write the book. You see, I want to have that control over the time because if I'm preparing for a convention, I want to be like, all right, I got both. Let's rock and roll. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I think that was like the biggest benefit of doing it this way for me, particular for what I do with my brand. And your books, they, they tend to fit, I would say somewhere a little darker than Miss Peregrine's and right about on par with John Mayberry's Rotten Ruin series. Oh, um, oh yeah. The zombie series. I've yes. read that. So, yes. so very, you okay. know, very dark, very young, you know, but still young adult. You're not pushing too many boundaries you know, enough that, you know, the older kids will be like, Ooh, you know, the younger kids might be, uh, but, uh, but, uh, so my, my question to you is what scares you enough to write that, but not too much. Where do you pull the line? Where do you, where do you draw the line? Where do I draw the line? I mean, I think everyone is afraid. I think everyone is just afraid of the unknown in general. And I think the more you keep your readers guessing, the better you don't want to reveal too much. But you want to reveal, want to reveal enough to create interest and to you know have that buildup of anticipation, and I think with writing horror you need to know where that is, especially what the topic is. I think when it comes to paranormal, especially Mark, this is something you'll appreciate. Uh, with paranormal, there's always a mystery, even when you figure out the mystery and there's a you know a conclusion at the end, or is it? Is it the end? Is it over? We don't know. I think a lot of people really like that, you know, regardless of age. I agree a thousand percent. And with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Jackie. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking With Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news, you can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. I have to say that otherwise the producer is like, what are you fucking doing? You're just rambling. <laughs> um, I don't know why he lets me do this by myself anyway. Um, but I went um, one year as, were you there the year Matthew Lillard was there? Yes. So I did the victim from 17 ghosts that year. I mean, 13 ghosts, 13 Ooh. ghosts. And I walked up. That was, I love him. He's one of my favorite people. I totally pissed off his security guard. He totally pissed off his security security guard. was terrible. What? That security guard was terrible. No, it was. And he he, he gave me a hard time too. It was like, oh, really? In a picture. We were um, getting in line for a picture. My friend did the bound woman, and I did the uh, the, um, jackal. No, the lover, you know, with the burned face. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. His wife, the Tony Shalhoub's wife in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And so we walked up, and Matthew Lillard was like, oh, my God, you're from that movie. And I'm like, 13 Ghosts, you were in it. And he goes, I know, you look, I have to hug you. And I'm like, okay. So obviously, I know you were in it. Yeah, he was a hugger. And he saw my friend, Brown Woman, he's like, 
you guys are amazing. I love everything about this. So we took pictures. It was great. Super fun. A couple of friends of ours went in front of us and they were like thrilled. So uh, my friend went up to the room because she had a headache, but I'm walking around and I, I, I didn't get very far because I love my costume, but I kept getting stopped by people wanting to take a picture, which was great. That's kind of part of the reason I do it. I love that people were like so thrilled about this, but I was standing there next to um, a bender dressed as Freddy Krueger. You guys have to know what I'm talking about. The oh my guy. God. So, so like standing- Futurama bender? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with Freddy, so, with the Freddy glove and the sweater. Uh-huh. Cool. It was He's amazing. So I'm standing next to him and all of a sudden I hear, um, I, I forget exactly what it is. He's like, 13 goes, 13 goes. And I'm like hearing this and I look over and here comes Matthew Lillard running towards me. His security is like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, oh my God, I forgot to tell you. You are so amazing. I'm like, you did tell me that, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> he was one of the nicest guys. But Did you get a picture with him? Oh, yeah. In oh, yeah. Okay, good, because you have to have that claim to fame. Like, here, this is us with Matthew Lillard suddenly remembering what movie this was that he was also in, because that's just brilliant <laughs> right there. It was, like, hey, by the way. <laughs> it was so funny, and my friend's like, I got back up to the room, and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, ah, fun story. <laughs> this thing. I also ran into Burt Reynolds that year because he was driving around on his little scooter. Well, scooter, corporate. May he rest in peace, whatever. But he was on his little scooter and it was just, it was, I love cosplay. I think that entire community is very supportive. Do you get a lot of readers from dressing as your character and giving them flyers? I, I do, actually, because as you said, that the community is very, it's very vast and it's very connected. I mean, we're all part of the same nerddom, essentially. It's just, you know, it's under, it's under the same umbrella, but a lot of little subcategories of nerddom, and they all just kind of go together. So, yeah, I found a lot of readers this way, a lot of cosplayers this way, and a lot of horror fanatics this way. And sometimes you get the weirdos that are a combination of all three, like me. Hello. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, when you go to a convention, you always know how to, how to sniff out your own. You know, you're kind of like, where are they? Let me find them. You know, they, they find you. You find each other. I think, I think we met at a spooky uh, on a panel uh, for horror authors, and you we were did. It was the one where you had the mask uh, with oh, the, yeah. the slit. Oh, the, the slit, slit mouth woman. Yes, that was in uh, one of the and, thirteen uh, anthologies. Yes, yes, and uh, and I was like, what is this from? Because I I, you know, I consider myself an encyclopedia of horror, and uh, and I was trying to figure out what movie you were, and you were like, no, this is this, and I was just like, oh my goodness, and uh, and then um, a little later. Uh, uh, we met again and you were promoting the next book. And, and so I grabbed that and, uh, and then I, I, I kind of just put it on the, the night table, read it. And I was like, man, this is really good and forgot about it. And then my wife and I went to uh, shallow grave for their <laughs> Christmas event, the late great haunted house, shallow grave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Phillips put on a hell of a show uh, like netherworld quality, but here in Florida, it was amazing. And, um, but uh, and we went there and it was for the Christmas event and I was going to propose to her because I knew they had this giant skeleton off right outside and how how romantic it is to propose to your wife in front of a giant skeleton. And uh, if you Christmas knew event, either one of you, everybody on this podcast listening, by the way, that is literally the most romantic thing you could do. That is probably and yeah, that actually that's, happened. That's, that's, I was there, but I didn't witness it. I didn't yeah, witness but it. Was, but suddenly I, I bump into this uh, this little child ghost comes yep. up, little child zombie. And I'm like. 
I know this person from somewhere and I couldn't place it at the time. And then a few minutes later, I was like, oh, that's Jackie, whose books I read. And I friended her on Facebook. And uh, And the rest is history. And then and then then we then we became better friends after that because I got engaged there. And then, you know, we became closer after that. So, yeah, we're all connected in like weird, twisted ways and we don't even know it. So, yes, your cosplay got me into your books. So, yeah, yeah, you got sales from me for that. So let's talk about your fans for a moment in time. I enjoy fans both ways. I have I have a complete theories on people who are fans and not fans of my particular work. How how do you feel about your fans? How do you feel about reviews? I love all reviews, even the ones that aren't so great, because you kind of just I like seeing different people's uh, thoughts on things. You know, I don't want them to say the same thing that everyone else is saying. If someone is going to say something different about my books, that means that they were thinking about it. It doesn't matter if it was a, a positive or if it was more negative or, you know, or, or a critique. That's, you know, that's fine. But that's how you think. My book made you think. And so I think that's what we all have to take away from it. Other times I'll get a review and it's just like, yo, did you even read it? Like I had one that was like the complete opposite of, of what it was. And, you know, I'm reading it and in my mind going, no, no, that's wrong. Did you read it? Did you read it? Because that's not right at all. What about this part? You know? That went over your head. You completely missed it. So some people get it. Some people don't. And that's okay. Because you know what? If, if someone really appreciates your work and for what it is, they'll be doing the same thing. They would read that same review and say the same things. So really, I, I welcome all, of, all, all opinions for that reason. Have Just you because met it a makes lot people think. Yeah, I've, yeah I've, met a, I've met a few. I've met a lot. I've met people that met me at Spooky that came to visit me at local book signings. I've had people tell me, oh, we met you at this convention and we came to buy your book. And to me, that is the best thing to hear because it means I did something right. If someone is going to come out of their way to, to, you know, meet me in person based on something that I did, that means I did something to, you know, really touch someone and get them interested in my work. And that's what it's all about. Totally. Why did you do young adult? So let's talk a little bit about that. As I, I do, I do not do young adult horror. Anybody listening, do not look up Erica Lance and think it is a good idea to have anyone under the age of eighteen read these stories. Why did you decide <laughs> to do just FYI warning? And no, I'm yeah. just kidding. Probably fifteen is good, but I would not do twelve years old. I think that's a terrible plan. But why did you decide to do young adult? Okay, so the thing with ages and age categories, I'm pretty sure we all know this, is that. It doesn't mean it is a limit. And age categories don't mean anything. I think they're useless, personally. It's just for marketing. It's just so booksellers and distributors could just have a label on something. Like, okay, this is who it's for. Great. Perfect. But people who like that don't always fit in that category. Young adult is not just for young adults. I know more adults that ring young adult than young adults do. And I'll tell you why. Because everyone can relate to it. If your protagonist is 16 years old, most people have already been 16. So they can relate to it better. It, you know, it, it, it's it's a memory for them. It's, it's nostalgic. It's sentimental. They can remember a time that they were that age. They know what that character's thinking. They can relate to what they're going through a little bit. Now, for me, the young adult thing came about with the, with the topic of the nursery rhymes. I thought it would fit that audience better because I think younger people would appreciate, you know, parodies or, you know, a retelling of something from their childhood. You know, a teenager is going to go, oh, yeah, I read nursery rhymes as a kid. I love this. Ooh, horror stories. I'm going to love this. But at the same time, adults are going to have an appreciation for it as well. Absolutely. No, I agree. What's interesting is I actually started on a young adult horror book 
Um, and one of the things I was talking to somebody, cause I'm like, okay, where do I draw the line on this? And she's like, if you're going to put sex in it, it needs to be that they can stand at the bedroom door, but they can't go past the bedroom door. And I'm like, that's it. That's literally the line. She goes, I wouldn't cuss too much if I was you, but yeah. other than that, you're pretty good to go. And I thought that was really interesting because it's not the death. It's not the gore. It's not any of that. It's. Mm-mm. You can't put a lot of rape scenes, obviously, in. No. Not that I put a lot of rape scenes, but, like, you can't get some of that stuff. But for the most part, you can take almost any horror book, pull out a couple things, and you're like, there's a young adult horror book. I was surprised by that particular genre um, because it doesn't have a lot of limits. I mean, it has a few boundaries, but they're almost the same boundaries you have to consider when writing a horror book, like... Do you put a rape scene in a horror book? Because that can be taboo by itself, putting a rape scene in a horror book, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the nursery rhyme. So you have this brilliant idea. What actually caused this brilliant idea to come to fruition? (laughs) So we're going to need to, we're we're all going to. Mark sees me smiling. (laughs) Mark sees me smiling. I see you smiling too. I want to know where the hell we're time traveling to. Tell me. Well, no, we're definitely time traveling, and I'll get that to a sec. The first thing I want to say, and this is something that we all, you know, could appreciate and understand, there is a market for retellings. There always has been, and there always will be. Um, classic fairy tales, Wonderland and Oz, have been done several times. They have been done to death, in, in my opinion. Even though I, I did write a, a, a fairy tales retelling, so I'm kind of a hypocrite, kicking myself in the face with that one, but it had to happen. So with those... Those are kind of cliche. We've all seen those before. So I wanted to do something different. I really wanted to. And I know that retellings are important. And I know that there is a market for them, like I said, because people like something that they're already familiar with. If they're already familiar with it, then that kind of creates the interest, especially if they're going to see it done in a different way. Now, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do just yet. So I had to just kind of put it to the side. Okay, so here's where we get to the, the trip down memory lane. There's this old movie in the 80s that has uh, Howie Mandel and uh, Shelley Duvall and uh, Woody Harrelson and Cindy Lauper, and it's called Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. So this wow. is revealing my age here. I, I, I watched That's okay. We're thing. all in the same age boat. We're all yeah. in the – it's the Titanic. Okay. We're all there together. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that so I watched cut. this movie oh as God. a kid. Yeah, yeah, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. So, I, you know, I've seen it as a kid. I don't know when, but – it was just on one night and I found it and I was just like, holy shit, I remember this. So I just, you know, watched it just because I'm a pure nostalgia junkie. And I remember it was during, I was bringing during haunt season. So I was thinking about, you know, horror stuff and, you know, just, just movies on. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And I just had the thought, this would be so much better if this was a horror movie and bam, that's it. So I sat down and I wrote down about, you know, about 10 to 20 different ideas of different stories and different books and here we are. So that that's a it's an ongoing thing. These ideas kind of keep coming. Some of them are a little bit more concrete than others, but you know, I, I got some basic ideas. I don't know which ones I'm going to keep just yet, but it it just amused me so much. It really did. You see how Mandel is Humpty Dumpty, and Cindy Lauper's Mary, and Woody Harrelson's the Lamb, and it, it's just hysterical. You know, the Lamb is all grown up, and he smokes cigars. <laughs> Wow. ZZ Just, Top is the three men in a tub. Yes. Yes. And then was, Little Richard is uh, 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 Old King Cole. Old King Cole. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I haven't seen this movie, and I pride myself on cheesy, cheesy 80s movies. Oh, oh this was, a, this was a Disney cheesy. Channel original, and yeah. it's definitely worth the find. It inspired me back in high school, I think, when that came out. We watched it, and we made a made-for-low-budget cable, local cable company, with the Renaissance Festival gang. We did a basically our version of that. And, uh, oh, please and tell me you have this on tape somewhere. Please tell me. Uh, I know someone who does. Oh, we need to get this on <laughs> YouTube. To, yeah, I need to see this. Oh. Immediately, we need to get this on YouTube. Right, Eventually, Mark, I'll talk to you and you're telling me it. who has it, and I will find it. And I, will okay. yeah, I need to see this now, Mark. This is your homework. Oh, it's it's pretty bad. My friend, I just recruited any friend and, and Rennie that I could for it at the time. And of course, Rennies are all for it at any time. So it was. Uh, it was. I did test match many times. Yes, yeah. we're down for any. It on, uh, I think it was for the Clearwater Public Access Channel, mm-hmm. and uh, and I borrowed their cameras and we borrowed their editing thing, and we did it in like three days. Oh and it was uh, it was I threw in every comic book reference I could. I think it was called Wizards Don't Wear Armor. I and love every. We need to find this mark. And have it uploaded. Wow, no, oh, no, no. appreciated on so many levels. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Do it. But, but Mother Goose's Rocket Ride, that just took me back so far. Thank you so much for that, Jackie. And and now that's going to like skyrocket on YouTube now. Somebody's got it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. someone's got it on VHS. I know. I, I probably did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on VHS. It's funny. Wow. I sent my boyfriend for the first time the He-Man with Dolph. Oh yeah, hey, and, Franklin Jealous Skeleton. Oh man. my God, it was. He's like, he looked over at me. He's a little bit younger than me. He looked over at me and he's like, seriously. And I'm like, oh sweetie, we haven't even begun. Let me get crawl in front of you. We have so many more. To and then hawk the Slayer after that. So <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's. All right, sorry, Jackie. We hijacked your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey. This is drinking with authors. We can do whatever the fuck we want to do on this podcast. I'll drink yep. to that. Thank yep. you. Cheers. I'm cheers to you from a distance. Cheers, you guys. So, what is the next thing coming up? Tell me. Tell me. What is the okay. next? Okay. Well, so I actually, when I was talking about the whole fairy tale retelling things and how I actually wrote a piece for it, I was in an anthology, uh, completely separate. Um, It was put on by the people who do Gothic Bite magazine. They set out a submissions call for The Mirror Tales, which is a dark fairy tales anthology. And I did that about um, a year ago. It came out, I would say, it came out recently, maybe like a couple weeks ago. And I've always wanted to do something with Cinderella. So I wrote a piece based on the Brothers Grimm Cinderella. And the thing was, I got a little carried away with it. And I had to cut it down in order to fit into the anthology. So I made the decision to take this one and incorporated it into my Dark Nursery Rhyme collection and do a mashup. So I'm combining Cinderella with Three Blind Mice, and that's something I'm working on right now. Wow. And it's going to be a little bit of a dark fantasy. So we're going to see a different side to our, our good friend Cinderella, whose real name is Aschenpudel. And that's uh, that's the Brothers Grimm version, and that's German for one who cleans the ashes. I, I love that. You know, what's funny is I, I've often gotten into conversations with people about fairy tales because I feel Disney, heart Disney, do not want them to somehow get my podcast removed from the air. But um, 
they made everything very sweet and cute and wonderful and stuff like that. And you brought up Wonderland earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. if you actually read Alice in Wonderland, that is a fucking horrific place to be. That is not <laughs> yeah. a pleasant experience, even for Alice. Like, that is a terrible place with terrible things that happen to people all the time. And I think a lot of us have gotten so used to the Disney versions of these stories versus the Brothers Grimm and stuff like that, where fairy tales were trying to tell you to, like, stay in your fucking stature. Yes. Don't try to go outside these walls. Don't talk here. to strangers, kids. Yeah, exactly. Or you might get thrown in a fucking oven in a forest by a witch who's going to eat you. It's you just might. Thing. You never it's know. The same thing with the exactly. urban legends now that we write about. It's the, it's the same tales. I and mean, we study them now. It's like... The mini lights in St. Pete was a, a urban legend about a lady who, and her alligator people who come out and steal your children. And, you know, and this was from the 60s. You know, so not the 1560s or the 40s. This is from 1960s. 1960s. And, yeah. of course, it's because in the 1930s, local alligator farms would send men out to kidnap your children so that they could put them in the alligator pits to run around for the tourists. And um, that is one of the most terrifying stories, Mark. That is the second time you brought that up. Yep. And it just proves that fucking reality is no worse than us horror writers. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't write this stuff. You just you can't a, write real life. There's exactly it's a modern fairy tale. And that's and it's mm-hmm. to protect your children. That's what the original fairy tales were. Don't go look at that creepy lady's house that's full of candy because she's going to eat you. Yeah, that and fairy tales are all about karma. They're all about <laughs> karma, too, if you think about it. You know, so, you know, in Cinderella, her stepsisters were horrible, but, you know, they, they get their end. They get their karma. And yep. and I, they, they get their ends in my story as well. I, I have a little fun with that. I'm excited. I can't wait. My, my Ashen Poodle uh, definitely, definitely levels up. So what is your favorite fairy tale? I mean, I'm not really one to, like, pick favorites. I, mean, I know, I but we're on a podcast. Like, the host just asked me for a favorite. So I know. Favorite. So you're like, you're forcing me to choose even though I can't choose. Well, I did, I did like working with Cinderella a lot. I really, really did. And Snow White, I think, has a lot of dark elements to it. Oh. I agree 100%. I think a lot of these... Um, I One of the things I love about looking at fairy tales is... Obviously, the Disney version makes them these wispy princesses that have whatever the hell, and obviously good things happen to them. But I kind of, no, I thoroughly enjoy the darker side of things Mm -hmm. and looking at what's behind that. And I think as horror writers, we tend to do that. I know, Mark, you do because you pick apart all these, you know, the St. Pete lights and really what it was was guys walking around stealing children off the fucking street and throwing them in alligator pits, by the way, which (laughs) in and of itself could be a fucking horror book. But, um, you know, you take these fairy tales and if you, if you step back from them for a moment um, and go, how, how do you change this up? How do you actually show the darker side of people? Because I think every one of us, no matter how great and how wonderful we are, there is a darkness that mm-hmm. is in every person. It's just how big the darkness is and where does it carry you, right? Right. And as horror writers, we have to go into the dark places. Do you ever scare yourself? 
Sometimes, you know, when writing some paranormal stuff, I, I, I tend to a, a little bit just going, well, I, I definitely wouldn't want to be the, the main character, you know, exploring the, the dark room and hearing things creak and things go bump. And uh, one thing that's interesting, too, is that I did some interviews with people who've had real paranormal encounters when I was writing My Soul to Keep, which is, a, you know, a, a paranormal story. So I had people tell me their real life ghost encounters. And one thing that was interesting is, is that they had this one particular thing in common. All of the ghosts encounters were people that they knew. They were family members that were trying to connect with them. And I, I definitely believe in, in the paranormal. I definitely believe in spirits. It just it's so fascinating that, you know, if you have a ghostly presence, it's not, you know, you know, some random old lady from, you know, Victorian era. No, that's your your grandmother or something, you know? It's interesting so, you say that because I've had experiences myself. I've actually never seen a family member. Really? In my experiences, I've never seen a family member. But I had this um, bookmark when I was a kid, and I still have it because it's an actual physical bookmark, by the way. Those are still existing in the world. I know I people have those. Really said. I, I know, I know I'm on this call <laughs> is familiar with those, but. Uh, um, and it said, it had a unicorn on it, and it said some things have to be believed to be seen. Mm hmm. And I feel like that doesn't mean you have to suspend your knowledge or something, but if you discount everything, you like, you can explain away anything that happens in, in life. Like you can explain it away, but there are some things that you just have to go, Hmm, that's really interesting. You know, like, and as a horror writer, I found there are some stories I've written down and literally had to get up and go do something like with my cat or something fuzzy and cute because I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like Careful I've gone though, to such a dark place. Cats and animals though, they, they have a, a paranormal sixth sense. One of my favorite scenes that I was writing in my soul to keep was about the cat. Uh, the main character is following the cat because the cat knows what's going on and can see things that are happening. So like the cat will walk into the room and like, her tail would, would raise and it would curl and she'd, you know, perk her ears up and the main character knows that some shit's going to go down because of that cat. That is so true. I had a cat. So, Mike, just fun story. Um, I feel my daughter had an invisible friend. I believe invisible friends are spirits. That's my where I'm at right now on that. Because if you ask most kids, they'll tell you the story about their invisible friend. And most of the time, it's pretty fucking horrific if you hear, like... <laughs> And um, my cats would, you know how they'll run around the house? Like if you chase them, they'll do that chase game and then they'll stop and they'll chase you. And then, so my cats would do this yeah. and nobody was there. <laughs> but they would distinctly stop, look at somebody, chase them, stop, look at somebody, turn around. It was one of the most interesting experiences ever. And I had a friend that watched that and she's like, what is fucking happening right now? I'm like, <laughs> my recommendation to you is just be nice to everything you think you hear tonight. My, <laughs> True that. My email box fills every day with, you know, crazy, you know, people sending me crazy stuff, but then half of it is so legit scary that you're like, okay, got to go talk to this person. But then today you get the headlines uh, Florida man, love the Florida man stories. Cause everybody sends me the, cause I'm here in Florida. He's our superhero. Florida man kills his imaginary friend and turns himself into the cops. That was my headline literally yesterday hmm. that I got from three newspapers. How so. do you not go meet this dude? 
Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's in the books. It's in the works. So just trust me. I'm, oh, oh my God. God. I, would... I guarantee you everybody in the world is reaching out to this guy right now because that's amazing. That's a book right there. And a boy, Mark. His best Go friend. Tells his imaginary best friend and then turns himself into the cops. God. <laughs> and it's terrifying. And then they find a body. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're coming to the end of our first and podcast because we're going to have a literary brief episode with you. Can you, I love shameless self-promotion, how the fuck do people find you? You can find me on my website, so JackieSonnenberg.com, and you can find me on Amazon. So all my books are there. They are available as paper books and as e-books. And you can find me on social media, too. Um, I'm looking to grow my followers, and I'm starting up an email newsletter, too, so to keep updated with promotions and new book sales and deals. I've actually got some sales coming up where I'm going to have uh, Little Dog Laughed available for 99 cents as an ebook. So just keep watching my website, and my social media, and then you'll know. Absolutely. You have been thoroughly delight- delightful to have on this podcast. You are amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions that I only remember two of because I've been drinking a lot. I don't know why I came up with that concept. It was a terrible plan, but it's okay. Oh, it's cool. It's a bad idea. What time? Exactly. <laughs> up there. What time are you picking me up? Okay. You have been amazing to have on this podcast. Thank you Yay. so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Mark Muncie, for being my co-host. It's so amazing. Honestly, it was my pleasure. Like I said, two of my favorite people, and I'm happy that you guys finally got to talk. So it's great. Amazing. And this has been for everyone out there drinking with authors, and we will see you next time.